0: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. How's
1: it going, everyone? Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. As always, so excited for you to listen to this week's episode with Jeff Schwartz um 8 year offensive guard in the NFL played for numerous teams i, I think most people know him today as an analyst has his own podcast uh, the Jeff Schwartz it's smarter than you podcast um he pops on the serious xm an awesome follow on twitter and he didn't disappoint jeff shares a bunch of stories from his playing days toward the end but really dug deep into Josh Allen's game. I know we have a lot of bills fans that listen to this podcast. So just a fantastic breakdown on Josh Allen's game. Obviously Jeff Schwartz's brother, Mitchell Schwartz has played for the chiefs for a number of years too. So he has an idea of what the chiefs did to Josh Allen in that AFC championship game. Also Patrick Mahomes, he knows where Patrick Mahomes could still improve. And we got to talk a little Aaron Rodgers. I thought his uh, take on the Aaron Rodgers situation was uh original and interesting. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. And if you didn't catch it in your email inbox or on Twitter or wherever you follow everything we have going on at Go Long, uh, we have Eric Kramer on the Go Long happy hour, Friday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. So for those that might've read our three-part series on Eric Kramer's life, just unreal. I mean, you can't even really put it into words. It's still hard for me to believe, but from the suicide attempt to his brain, taking five years to wake up, to really being used and abused by an ex-girlfriend, by a archaic legal system, losing $700,000. Um, he made it to the other side, and, and he's here to hang out with GoLong subscribers Friday night to talk all about it. So you can go to GoLongTD.com and subscribe seven a month, 70 a year to get access to those Zoom happy hours. Um, I don't think it will be disappointed with, with Eric Kramer. He is one of a kind, um, as, as transparent and real as it gets through all the traumatic experiences that he had. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. Here is Jeff Schwartz. Hey, how's it going, everyone? This is Tyler Dunn here with Jim Monas for another episode of the Go Along Podcast. We are not at Hamburg Brewing. We're remote, drinking some hamburgs. I got a little Lakeview lager. What do you got there, Jim? Hoptimonium. Going with course.
2: Hoptimonium. Going with the strong stuff tonight. We got a major, we got a big time guest, so I got I to make sure I feel good when we're talking about this.
1: Thanks. I feel like we, we should have been pre-gaming for this one, Jim. You know, we should be about five, six beers deep to be ready for for this week's uh, guest. So, you know, here he is right out of the chute, the great Jeff Schwartz. Uh, Eight years in the NFL, right, Jeff? Panthers, Vikings, Chiefs, Giants, Lions. Um, And we all know you, you know, as an analyst today, and we love having the people who keep it real on this podcast. You know, there's a lot of a lot of BS out there, a lot of just nonsense and cliches and regurgitated <laughs> talking points. I think that's kind of why I was just drawn to you in the Twitter sphere is uh, you don't go that route. You're very real and fresh and original. So thank you for being here.
3: I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be on. Yeah, I just don't care about making friends. I have no friends. Like, I don't really like I if, if I piss someone off. So I've had NFL GMs call me and I, I just I'm like, dude, I don't, it's not personal, man. Like, it's just what it is. Like, I like I just, I, I call like I see it. And if things change, and think about it too. I think it's totally t- t- fair to admit you're wrong about things. Like, it's okay to admit you're wrong. Like, I was wrong about Josh Allen. I was right for two years. I was wrong last year. But, like, it's okay to admit that you're wrong about stuff. And, like, it doesn't change, I think, how you do your work. I, I, I thought Josh Allen was going to be Jake Walker. And for two years, he was. And then the third year, he wasn't. And I'm like, oops, well,
1: I got that one wrong. I don't know. Like it's okay to be wrong. It happens. Whatever. I mean, that's a quarterback we've talked about quite a bit on here. It's it is remarkable. He was dead last in completion percentage in back to back years. It was it was ugly. So what did you have? Uh, I mean, we've got a lot of Bills listeners here. Were they were they coming after you there for a bit? All all every team comes after me. They're all, they're all teams are the same. I'll tell you, what, the worst fans are
3: the Titans fans. I just don't. They're just something else. Bills fans came after me. Most of them, you know, still kind of get after me, whatnot. Um, look, Josh Allen's improvement. And this is a thing that, that is so interesting. If you were a fan of him from the draft pick, and after the first two years, you still thought that he was going to become this player, you got lucky. Like, th- th- like, Like, my thoughts about him were the ones that were historically accurate, right? which is that we've never seen a guy make this big of a jump between year two, year two and and three We football outsiders, Aaron Schatz talks about all the time. I think like Alex Smith is the only player in the last 25, 30 years to start their first two seasons, basically under, under value. And then all of a sudden become and, and and Josh Allen's last season was better than anything Alex Smith has ever had. And so, like, yeah, I was wrong on it, but you were probably also wrong thinking that he was going to do this too. Like, right, it's, a, it's an incredible accomplishment for him. I've talked to Jordan Palmer about what he did with uh, with his mechanics and his mindset and what the Bills, I think, did building the offense around him. And Dable's done a great job of – I think this is the new thing in the NFL it has been very helpful for a lot of these young quarterbacks. I think it's why they come in and succeed right away. These OCs, they tailor their offense now – To the quarterback, it used to not be that way. You you ran what what you always ran, and you just hoped your quarterback could do it. But now, you know, we look at what the Bills do, what the Chiefs have done, what the Browns are doing, and what and what you know, every these successful teams, they tailor their offense to their quarterback, and and the OCs are okay with stepping back a little bit and doing things that they're uncomfortable with because they know, especially in, in Josh Allen's case, that it's best for Josh Allen. And I credit really everyone involved. You know, Josh obviously and and uh, Jordan Palmer and what the Bills coaching staff did and the acquisitions they made to build that roster up and get him in, 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 in another the question becomes obviously, can he do this, this next season, at this pace?
2: You know, Jeff, I was telling Tyler, we, we talk on the podcast and I agree with you, you know, the whole NFL is spending a lot of time trying to stop the Bills offense. Like, you know how every yeah. team breaks down. Who's the hot team right now? Who's, who's the team that crept up on us that, Josh is going to get challenged this year. I mean, I'm not saying he can't do it, but to to replicate that year again, it's not going to be easy. That was an incredible yeah. season he just had. And I agree with you totally. If you thought he was going to have this year in year three, you were you were guessing. I mean, you were hoping you were right, saying he was going to be great coming out of the draft. But nothing showed that those first two years other than, you know, you saw some yeah. highlight big arm throws, but you didn't see anything that said down in, down out, this is going to be the guy. And he totally – he still has work to do too, just like everybody. But I think this year is going to be challenging. I think they're going to have a lot of teams really trying to stop them. And he hasn't had that before.
3: Yeah. What's, what's interesting is, is the blueprint is out there for what the chiefs did. They did something very specific. And I, I know, and I know if every team could do this, they blitzed his throwing hand every, almost every single play they came from his right. And the first matchup, I think was something like, like 30 of 35, it was some insane number of pressures, and because you know the interesting part was the first matchup, the Bills didn't pressure Pat Mahomes at all, right? Oh. And the second matchup, the Chiefs did it again. Now he had Devin Singletary, and Devin Singletary dropped that ball early in the Chiefs yeah. game. That that might change him. Zero pressure. The Chiefs didn't didn't cover the running back. He dropped the ball, right? But all game they just hammered his throw side, Hammer, his throw side, hammered his throw side. But the Chiefs secondary was good last season, right? So can every team duplicate that? Can every yeah. team try to do that? And obviously the Bills hopefully have some answers, want some screens to that side, some rollouts, there's ways to to deal with it. But that's the blueprint now, right? As you just blitz his throw hand.
1: That's such a great point. And sorry, Jeff, I didn't even mention your podcast. uh, The Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you podcast, correct? That's what everybody has to do. Yes, yes, please. Yes, absolutely. So if you want these fresh takes, that's where you got to go for them all the time. Uh, so So let's just stay on Josh Allen for a minute. I mean, we saw this, you know, Carson Wentz took the league by storm. He was going to be the MVP before his ACL. D- Derek Carr, same deal, right before he broke his leg. Yeah. He would have been the MVP. They, I don't know. I mean, Flash in the Pan is a little strong, but they haven't been the same quarterback since. Is there any fear that teams' defenses might have figured Josh Allen out? That, you know, he was playing in empty stadiums, that now they have a full offseason or studying them, break them down, maybe incorporate what you just broke down? Like, eh, wh- wh- where does this go from here with Josh Allen and the Bills' offense that was just a juggernaut in 2020?
3: I mean, I think it continues to to improve, but I don't know if Josh Allen's going to have the same season, right? I mean, I think it's it's probably fair to expect maybe some regression to the mean, but not enough to where he's completing 58% of passes again, right? Like, I think it's probably somewhere in the mid-60s. Um, and, you know, again, teams, like you mentioned, they're going to study him off, so he's going to have a plan. You know, Belichick's getting – he has defenders back on defense now. He like, should be better on defense. The Dolphins are good on defense jets who knows what's happening so look the the division is going to be a little tougher on defense in my opinion uh you have a first place schedule right that obviously changes uh a lot of things compared to where you you know were the previous year uh but i don't think he goes back to being that 58 quarterback is he up where he was this past year probably not and the concern i think too is, is with all these guys that kind of run a little bit right is that the injuries So we saw him take some hits last season that were less than ideal you know he doesn't He's not really good at avoiding contact quite yet when he runs. He's still kind of like that bull in China shop. And that's one thing he needs to work on. It's just, okay, I got my yards. Just get down. Look, I was, and I still don't really like, like, the kind of quote-unquote running quarterbacks, the guys who run a lot. But, man, I give look, Lamar Jackson takes no hits. He's the best at it, right? He runs and just gets down. I feel like he's a great example for these quarterbacks that want to run the ball very often. Josh Allen's got to watch them and, like, just stop taking the hits. Like, try when you can to stop taking the hits. Because I think that's, the one thing that, that, that could derail him, those add up, man. Those hits add up. And he's a quarterback. He's not built. He's not working on staying healthy for running over linebackers. That's like not. So I think that, that that's where he's got to maybe cut that down a little bit this year.
2: He does that in the pocket too, Jeff, where he, he fights and he doesn't go down easy, but it leads to maybe an awkward landing or the ball gets loose. Like he's not natural running the football, he's big and fast. You know, but he's not natural carrying the football, holding on to it. And you can see that when he like the way he does take hits and fumbles the ball. So, you know, he still needs to clean that up. I agree with you. And you're right. Lamar's like Shady McCoy. You know, there's certain people who always say Shady McCoy never took hits. I mean, he that's never like, took hits. I don't know how he did it. He did it in high school. He did it in college.
3: Incredible.
2: incredible. But to your point, there's certain guys that just don't get hit. Like Cam Newton you know, when you're that big, sometimes it just adds up. I mean, it just, you know, it, it takes a goal on you.
3: Cam um, is, real quick, Cam is like, you walk by him, and you're like, how it are you a quarterback?
2: It doesn't look right. It doesn't no. look right. I'm
3: like, how are you a quarterback? I I you know, I played with him in 2011, obviously, yeah. and I, yeah. I was injured that year, but then I saw him again. Um, I've seen him at camp. I went down to camp, and then the Chiefs played the Panthers a couple years ago, and he was on the field. He came and said hi beforehand. I mean, it's like, I'm 6'6", you know, 340, He's like, look at me in the eye. I mean, it's huge. It's unbelievable. In a good way. Not, not a bad, I mean, there's no one built like him. Like there's, there's no quarterback that's ever no. going to be built like him again, I think.
1: No. I mean, the Bills got to think about this all right now because I mean, do, do you give Josh Allen that blank check or not? When, when do you pull the trigger on that oh. contract? When all it, people might think we're nitpicking here, but there's a reason you, you got to think about this all because if you're going to hand a guy, what, four years at, God, pick your price pick per year it. 40,
3: 45, 50 here's, here's the dilemma that I think a lot of teams are going to get into and I'm not sure this is really Josh Allen and the Bills dilemma but more like Cleveland and Baker Mayfield is I think Josh physically is good enough to win a Super Bowl like just his physical traits right if you look at who's winning Super Bowls outside of, of old man Brady they're kind of the the big trait guys especially the ones that are at success year in year out um and he fits that profile. Like Baker Mayfield doesn't. He, he really doesn't. And is is very schemed up offense. And the Browns are gonna be good this year. They, I think they're the most talented team in all the NFL. Um, but you know, Mahomes is kind of raises the Chiefs, you know, that to extra level. Uh, you know, Alan, I think this can be who he is, sort of Baker. I worry about, right? Like, I, I think that if you're the Browns and Baker, you try to get a deal done now, but the, the, the issue with all of this is that you're, you become stuck, right? Like if you are, if you're the bills, let's say Josh Allen completes 62% of passes next season. He's his efficiency numbers are somewhere between 10 and 15 in the NFL, you know, just, you know, but you make the playoffs and and you, whatever. I mean, all right, they're going to pay him, right? Like they don't have a choice. They have to pay him they don't, because they're not bad enough to draft a quarterback. They don't want to rebuild again. And the Browns have been the same way. I mean, the Rams with Goff for like this. Did they really want to pay Goff? To, deep down, they really want to pay him? Probably not. But they're kind of stuck. They kind of had to pay him. Carson Wentz, right? Like, yeah, they, did they really want to pay him? Probably not. But they, they were stuck in paying him. And this is, I think, what you're running into because that position is so valuable in all of sports that if you have a guy to rebuild, it's it's so hard to do, especially with a, a younger quarterback like that.
2: I totally agree. I mean, they're going to pay him. And you're, you're so right, Jeff, about getting handcuffed to a guy. And and that's why I give the Rams credit. You know, that's not easy. I mean, they went out there, golf got into the Super Bowl, they paid him. But you know what? They weren't too prideful. They said, hey, we need to get better at that position. Easy. easy,
1: Jim. Easy. I know, I
2: know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tyler. But McVeigh <laughs> basically said he's holding us back. Like for us to win a Super Bowl, I need a different quarterback, and that's not. I give them credit. Like they went all in. They have. I've I've been saying the Rams have this year, or next year, they better get to the Super Bowl or else they they're out. I mean, you you go all in on that on Stafford. You have two years now to get this done. You you've mortgaged the future for these two years.
3: Yeah, I mean that's it's and that's where we're kind of at with a lot of these you know these teams like the window is much smaller than we think. Look, look at the Chiefs. Look, I obviously, I'm a big Chiefs fan. Um, we saw last year injuries, right? Knocked them down. You know, this year, kind of the window is one or two years with this current team. And then Kelsey gets older and Hill gets older. And yep. and Frank Clark, get, uh, excuse me. Uh, uh, um, yeah, Frank Clark gets older. Mm-hmm. Chris Jones gets older. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, they, they really haven't. They don't really have that wide receiver in the pipeline quite yet to fill that, that role. Obviously they drafted the the, the tight end this year. They hope that it becomes next Kelsey, Mm -hmm. but like the windows are so short in the NFL, the Patriots have made it so unfair for everybody to think you could be good for 20 years. It it doesn't happen like that. So that's why I get the Rams going all in. Like, let's just do it now. We have this kind of roster in place here. Whitworth just hinted on Chris Long's podcast, probably his last season. Right. So like, you know, you're trying to get these guys in, before they retire, before they get older. So I get why they went in with Stafford. I think the thing with Stafford more than anything else is McVeigh is tired of doing everything on offense. Like he just wants to call a play and let Stafford figure out the rest. Like Stafford, you figure out the rest. I'm not telling you what to do anymore. at quarterback Stafford, here's the play. You make the changes. You figure it out. I'm done wasting my time doing that. I
2: always thought when I was with the saints, um, for eight years, I always thought that was the most amazing thing about what Breeze, Coach Peyton, Pete Carmichael, the OC. I mean, Breeze could run those meetings. I mean, Breeze could run installs. He could do all that. I mean, that's what you want to get to, like you're saying, Jeff, where you don't, as the coach, hey, I'm calling to play, but you got to, you know, you, you take control of it. You, you you get us out of it if it's bad, or you get us into it. And the, the great ones do that, and, and it takes time. It does, but you're right. Stafford will do that. Breeze did it, and that's what you needed the position. Mahomes, Mahomes probably will get there too.
3: He does a lot of that in the offense. I mean, the way the offense is yep. set up that they allow him to do that, especially with with two plays. But I think McVay had to like babysit golf. Like I don't think the physical, I don't think the difference in that team this year will be the physical between golf and stafford. Right? Golf can make the throws. It's just the mental part of it where he just didn't want to, to babysit the quarterback anymore.
1: Totally agree. Boy, Olin Kruitz, when he was on um, one of our happy hours, uh, he he described it as like those quarterbacks that live in the vortex, like at the line of scrimmage. They just see a different game and can react on a different level than everybody else. And, you know, he played with Jay Cutler and he said, well, Cutler didn't live in that vortex basically. Like he, some guys can do it. Some guys can't. (laughs) And if you, you'd rather have the guy that can do that. I get it. You know, it's, it, it Did you just, play with any quarterbacks like that, Jeff? I mean, you you played I with. I
3: mean, a bunch. I mean, I mean Eli. Like we 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 were never wrong on one on a pressure ever. Like it was, it was pretty incredible. We were wrong one time. He was wrong once. It was actually we we're playing the Bills in '15. I remember he thought something was coming one direction, came the other direction. Like that was it, all season long, never wrong. And there were times when I'd be my stance, I, and, I, and I know what's happening. Right, I studied defenses, and I'd be in my stance like, oh shit, you're, you're coming over here. I know. And Eli's like, nope. They're over here. Go this way. I'm like, uh, I'm gonna do it, of course. But like, ah, and then here they come. Well, will free safety. Like, he just he knew what he was doing. And when you have someone like that behind you, obviously your offense works better, but you should have a bunch of confidence that you're gonna get, you know, get get things right. And defenses, man, they get so angry when you when you when you when you nail a protection <laughs> when, when they think you, you know that that they've got you. Um, and it's deflating for a defense to 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 think they have
1: you end up getting um, a first down. It's incredible. Hey, r- real quick though, like that 2015 bills giants game. So Jim was the, the director of personnel mm-hmm. with the bills. I was bills. covering the team at the Buffalo news and I can mm-hmm. remember the, the Monday after that game talking to bills players in the locker room and they were just, I mean, that was chippy. I remember Stefan Gilmore was like, yeah, Odell, he's a prima donna. I don't know what his problem is, is. He's like a little kid out there. I mean, you're right in the middle of all that. There were just penalties all over the place, chippiness. Do you remember that game? What it was like, Jeff? Um, I just
3: remember that that Kyle Williams said afterward, he liked the way I played, and I was like so honored. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> Kyle, Kyle, Kyle said something nice about me. Like that, that dude, no, I remember I kind of pulled my groin a little bit. Um, and uh, and, and that was about it. I just remember that it was like it was like 2410, 2417. Yep. I was here. Our defense was atrocious too. We actually got stops that game. I couldn't believe it. Um, but yeah, we won that game. I was feeling good about our season. It was my first time ever playing in Buffalo too. I didn't play in Buffalo, um, and um, it was uh, I don't know it was just a game we played. I I remember I got hit with a spin move that was like the worst of all time. Who was the um, the other D tackle? It wasn't uh, it wasn't Williams. Who was the big other one? Um, Marcel. Yeah, Marcel he hit me with like the sloppiest spin move ever um it was uh it wasn't very good
2: no if you're not dwight freeney it, it it's probably
3: he just like spun in place i was just like <laughs> i was like all right it's like thank you just spin in place um no but just kyle williams man it's so underrated for so many years like he was oh uh, he, he was oh, he's a, a, a beast just his get off and his his hand placement and his tenacity um i think if he played in, in somewhere else probably more well known
1: like, what, what is your most memorable battle in, in the trenches? Did, did you have a, a, a rivalry, you know, in the in the middle there that you'd get after with somebody or, or one specific incident that you kind of still talk about when you're at the bar with your buddies?
3: I mean, I'm, I moved around so much that not necessarily. Yeah. I mean, there were guys like, like I knew like Corey Redding gave me a lot of problems. Like I couldn't block that guy to save my life. And it wasn't like anything. I mean, he just did this push pull move, dude. Like he just got, he got me. We played him. Twice in 2013, I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop it. Like he, he had my number. Um, there were other guys I played that, like I played really well against Darnell Dockett a couple times. That is supposed to be like you, know, I, I played good against all the big dudes. Like, like Sue, Man fought great. Just run into me, please. Like when I remember, I do remember this though. In 2012, I was on the Vikings. I was, I was in the lineup that year. I Didn't play terribly, terribly much. I was hurt a little bit. We're playing the Packers in Green Bay. It probably was Mike Daniels early in his career. And it was the first time they took like a three technique and moved him to like four. I on third down. I was like, Oh God, this is not. I was like, this is not. The reason I moved in the garden was I didn't want to be in space anymore. I wanted to, like, wanted to be inside. Like I had no problem with big details. I was great. Run into me, please. And now it's like they're lining up off your body and inside and they're, they're coming from distance and depth. And just the game, you know, I, you know, of course, I adjusted as things went along, but like that just was the first time I was like, oh boy, it's just the NFL is different now. Um, yeah, I don't really have, I thought about this. People ask me, like, what's your most memorable NFL moment? I, I mean, the Odell catch game, like, that was pretty cool. As was my first game I played that year off injury. Um, we didn't, I didn't do a lot of winning. I lost all three of my playoff games. Uh, famously, I was, you know, in Kansas City when we lost, uh, we blew a 28 point lead. Um, and um, it was, uh, yeah it, it it I just wish I had more memorable moments of like winning. Eh,
1: that's you know, all right funny, though.
2: Uh, Kyle Williams used to always Kyle Williams used to always talk to me about Mike Daniels um yeah. as a guy that he loved watching, you know, play D-tackle. Kyle loved him. That's funny you just we just brought those names up and Kyle used to say, "Hey, what do you think of yeah. Mike Daniels?" And I was like, "What what's not to like about him?" You oh. know, he was like, "I think that guy, yeah."
1: His get off oh, was fantastic.
2: That's what that's exactly what Kyle
3: used yeah. to say. Yeah.
1: When I was at the Journal Sentinel in Milwaukee, uh, I remember doing a story just following him through one of his workouts in the off season. It it was insane. I mean, like boxing and MMA stuff, and I mean he's just he, it, when he was in his prime, man, he was just like a bowling ball that just did not stop.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and, like these guys have it's just changed, right? Like they've gotten. the the same power as maybe they used to be, but they're just like in smaller packages now, like Aaron Donald. It's just like, it's, it's, it's not fair. Like I'm too big to like, I never played against Aaron Donald. Thank God. I'm too damn big to play against him. He would have jacked my ass up every single play. Now I would have tried to get on him fairly quickly and like got my hands on him now. And maybe that would have helped me. But if I missed by that split second, he just, I'm six, seven, man. He's under my pads, just walking back to the quarterback.
1: I love the side by side when you look at like a picture of Gilbert Brown and then Aaron Donald with his shirt off like <laughs> the evolution of the defensive tackle. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's crazy, right? Man. Hey, I, I gotta get your take on this, Jeff. I know I know you're on it. You've been talking about it, tweeting about it. What the hell's gonna happen with Aaron Rodgers in Green sure. Bay? What do you when think? You're
3: asking me when you're the one who knows all this stuff.
1: Um, <laughs> like, when you're
3: asking me, I have, I have, you have a thousand sources, I have zero sources. I never um, played in
1: the NFL though, so
3: you know how these guys so, uh, operate. I'll tell you what, he's not going to opt out July 2nd for COVID. I'll tell you that that's not happening. I know that was a, a rumor floated around, and there's no way he just he's he loves the attention, there's no way he just opts out. We don't hear from him ever again for the whole season,
1: um, <laughs> exactly. Like,
3: yeah. I look, I, I think the Packers, um have no incentive to move him i really don't um they'll have his rights they his his salary's already budgeted in to the roster this season um they could find him obviously i don't think i don't think they want to find him most teams don't want to find players um even on the cba this year the new cba you have to find him you can't not find him now now you can you can do the excuse of like hey excuse absences but in the old cba you you could just excuse like Aaron Donald would sit out every every camp right they'd find him find him find him he'd come back and they excuse all the fines new CBA you can't do that anymore you have to find the guy so I'm, they don't want to find him they just want him to come back and I, I just are you telling me that he, dude's just not going to play again ever like just I, I look I look I talked to Jordan Palmer about this again a couple months ago at the draft he's like you know, I talked to him about it because I was working with him but also his brother famously held out right. But that was the Bengals. Like, it's just the Packers. Like, the team is good. Um, I, I don't know, man. The, the way you get them back is you give them more guaranteed money, but then you're not playing Jordan Love for two more years and the Packers, waste a draft pick, right? So, uh, but I just don't think there's incentive to move them. I really don't think they have, they have to move them. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers looks like the quote-unquote loser, according to, I mean, Packers fans would be pretty pissed if they played without him this year. I don't think they're on his side in this in this situation. Um, and he's probably not getting the jeopardy job. I don't think this is not, is he just going to disappear all season? I, I just, I can't believe it, man. I think he's, I think he's there week
1: one to play. Man. I don't know, Jeff. Like he's a weird dude that beats to his own drum. I, I know you disagree. I, I know people disagree. Like I know. I, if I'm green Bay, I'd want to get something for him. Like his, his stock is never going to be higher. If he's genuinely dug in and but getting something so-
3: now, like what are you going to get now from Denver that's going to help you this season? Are are they giving you Jerry Judy?
1: What I mean, yeah, I think they will. I think they give give him whatever they want. It would be pretty
3: funny if 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 for years they didn't address the wide receiver position then trade for Jerry Judy <laughs> for Jordan Love. Um, but look, okay, if you're the Broncos, at what point you're always going to want Aaron Rodgers? I get that. But at what point are you like, we're already prepared for the season. Like, we already have our dudes. We have our offense in. We have Jerry Judy in. And and then all of a sudden it's like, well, here's Rodgers minus Jerry Judy, maybe minus someone else, and three of our draft picks are gone, and we're in that tough division. I don't know. I mean, they would do it, of course. Of course they would if they were to call them and get it done. But at some point, I think Denver's probably not very interested as the season gets closer.
1: That's a good point. At the end of the day, though, it's Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, Aaron Rodgers, and I just feel like they would do whatever. I don't. I could be wrong. They, I feel like Green Bay can still just ask for whatever they want, at the, even at, at this point of the ball game, because it's the, it's the MVP of the league, right? It's the MVP.
3: Look, I think the Packers they should have drafted Love, especially trading up for Love. Maybe they should have drafted him, but told Aaron Rodgers. Whatever you want to say, how they the process oh, yeah. worked. But yeah. I, I don't think they should have drafted him. But if they did, they should have told him anyways. Um, but they were right. On, they were on the right path of, hey, older quarterback, we've seen these guys decline. Right Again, Tom Brady's the outlier. He's not the norm. Drew Brees, right? Big Ben's on that decline now. Eli was on that decline. Over. Phillip Rivers played okay last year. But, you know, a lot of these older guys, man, just starts to decline at that age. And I think the Packers thought wisely, okay, 2019, he was okay, but maybe there's a little bit of physical decline. We're going to prepare for the future. And then Rodgers came out and won the MVP, and, and the Packers look stupid. Um, so I don't I don't mind the process. I think they should have informed Rodgers of what they were thinking as far as drafting a quarterback, and they should have traded up for Jordan Love. Um, but I just think that he's not going to sit out all season. Maybe he is, but I don't know. I, at one point, too – do the do, do, do everyone just stop talking about him as the season goes on? I know I'm not going to spend much time worrying about where Aaron Rodgers is week five unless the Packers are 0 and five, and that's a, a discussion. But then again, if they're 0 and five,
1: how much are we talking about them? I mean, could it be a conspiracy? Like, there's nothing happening in the NFL this offseason other than that. I think, and it's you, you turn on ESPN and they're talking about this every day. They're not really breaking down I think when it was really, you know, and it. At its peak a couple of weeks ago, they're not talking about the playoffs in the NBA or the NHL or anything. It's it's Aaron Rodgers all the time. Like, it, I don't know. There's, I'll, I'll put my tinfoil hat on here and there and just say maybe maybe everybody's kind of been on it. So you think Rodgers
3: is goose? doing this? You think Rodgers is doing this to to just ha- give ESPN content?
0: <laughs> well, what I think is like your Aaron, <laughs> Aaron
1: Rodgers likes. Aaron Rodgers wanted the Packers to be just dragged through the mud and publicly humiliated and embarrassed. And I think he probably expected everybody to be like, Oh my God, how can you let Aaron Rodgers get away? Like, how shame on you? And there's there's a lot of that. Uh, I don't know. But aren't the fans, but if talked. It'd be great if he talked.
3: But aren't the fans in in uh in Green Bay though on the team side for the most part?
1: I think so. I mean, I, because Brett Favre wanted back in. Aaron Rodgers wants out. And they're smart enough to make that differentiation, I think. So you're right. I, I th- and I, I think Rodgers maybe miscalculated that a little bit. And that's why you see some of the former teammates coming forward to, you know, inject a little hope into the equation.
3: Like, you have kind of like a working-class environment up in Green Bay. And I, and I can't imagine fans are like, yeah, you know what? that starting quarterback. They didn't tell him they were drafting a, 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 his replacement. Like I don't, I don't feel sorry for him for that. Like you know what I mean. Like I just don't think that there's a lot of sympathy in Green Bay for Rodgers basically saying like they're oh they were mean to me. They, they didn't. I, I don't like the ownership. Like I you know whatever there's an ownership, but whatever you know like they they say mean things to me. Like I, do people in Green Bay care about that? They don't care about that.
1: No, you're right. You're absolutely right. What about as a player though, Jeff? Like if you're in that locker room. Training camp's around the corner. I don't know. Wouldn't you want a little direction? Like, what the hell are we doing here, guys? Like, who's our quarterback? What's our plan this season? I, 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 the couple guys I've talked to, they're kind of getting to that point. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Like, let's either, either, tell, either trade them and let's go forward with Jordan Love or have a plan one way or the other. I think
3: the older guys are at the point, to your point, like when camp starts, it's like they want to win, right? Like they want to win. And they want this resolved, and I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're telling Aaron like, hey buddy, like you gotta let them know, like really, like if you're, if you ain't coming back at all, just I guess say, very bluntly, I'm not coming back, and, and they just move to Jordan Love and, and get over with this idea of oh maybe he's back, maybe he's not, we can't do that, or you know, and I'm sure they're telling him like, hey man, we need you this year, like like we need you to play for us, can you can you suck up your pride and come back and, and help us out? I, I'm with you, I think the older players are probably at that point of like uh like i like i i need i need to know i, w- I want to win this season
1: totally totally hey before we lose you too we mentioned it uh, before we hit record but I, I know you've been studying like patrick mahomes a little bit obviously you know you know him as well as anybody uh, on the dark side here in the media, with, with your brother playing with him on the Chiefs and everything, but you mentioned like you see some areas where he could improve. Like what, what, what where is Patrick Mahomes at in his development? How how much better could he even be from here? Um, so I, I, look, Chiefs
3: fans hate when I do this because I think I'm, I was defending my brother, but Mahomes' uh, pocket presence at times is not ideal, right? And he'll he, and he'll admit that to you. There's nothing he won't say. His trainer and I had a discussion on Twitter about it he drifts out the pocket way too much. And even the Super Bowl, even with the bad offensive line, he's doing it too much. He's drifting at the back of the pocket because he's such good arm talent that he can throw from all these platforms. The problem is, though, is that your protection's gone. Like, it's you're on your own. A lot of those hits, if you're 11, 12 yards deep, that's on you, quarterback. Like, you're getting unnecessary, unnecessarily hit. So, to me, what, what I saw with the, with the Chiefs' offensive line and specifically who they brought in to rebuild, who they drafted to play offensive line, I think they're going to do essentially three or four things. One, one is they're going to run the ball more, which Andy B doesn't terribly like to do, but I think he sees a need and just maybe limiting hits on Pat Mahomes. And they're going to find a to do with GT counter, which they never have really run before, but you add in Creed from Oklahoma, you add in Orlando Brown, Joe Tooney one of the best pullers in the NFL at guard, some GT counter, just some more downhill, in-your-face runs. Again, not, not to be the base of your offense, but I think to hit some play action passes off that too. I think mean, the play are pass under a center again. They've gone away from that. It's a one or two reads. It's not because he's one or two reads, but just it's simple plays for Mahomes, big chunk plays, you know, eight-man protection, just just give it to the defense. Three is the quick passing game. That has disappeared from their offense. I think that's something that Andy Reid wants desperately back is get the bottom of his hands, force it out of his hands, and don't let him have to retreat out the pocket, right? Tell him, hey, Pat, take the seven yards, take the five yards, Take the eight yards. Yeah, we'll have some home runs later, but take what the defense gives you. It was funny. I remember talking to my brother after the Texans game, the week one game. I was like, man, y'all were just, he goes, yeah, Pat taking what they give him. And he did. In that game, man, go back to week one. Yeah, off, fresh off of camp, but he was just dinking, dunking, dinking, dunking, dinking, dunking. And then number four, what they're going to do, I think, get back to is screens. Andy Reid's the best at, at designing screens. Him and Shanahan are, are, you know, but I play with Andy Reid. So I'll default to Andy Reid. If you noticed the end the last the back half of last season, as their offensive line got beat up, they stopped running screens because he runs his screens are so detailed. Like I've never had a coach, he would stop practice and detail. He wants the running back right here, the ball thrown over this shoulder. He wants the offensive line at this aiming point at this time. If you're positioned here, here and here. And when you have backup offensive alignment, they're just not as good at that, right? So I think when he gets the full offensive line back, they'll go back to screen. So quick game, screens more play action pass, but from under center, I think a little bit more power run and just kind of get back to the basics. They're still going to have the, the shot plays. We're still going to have, you know, plays laterally, you know, kind of interchangeable part plays on, on offense, but I think just more ways to find offense without having the dropping really deep in the pocket.
1: Man, that was a phenomenal breakdown. <laughs> Great stuff, Jeff. I mean, what do you think, Jim? I mean, this is a quarterback that, you know, we've talked a lot about you, you studied, out of Texas Tech. Um, do, do, do you agree agree with that? Like where where's he at?
2: No, I think it's outstanding because you know, we get our you know, our, our listeners get a little upset, Jeff, because we talk a lot about Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes, and here we are doing it again. But <laughs> but but there are he does need he can raise his game even more, and I agree with you. The timing stuff it, it, that's you know, I was fortunate to work with Andy Reid, and then I went to the Saints and worked for Sean Payton, but I was there, we had Brian Westbrook, Deuce, Staley, Krill. Our, our screen game was insane. And oh, you're, yeah. you're right, the Andy Reid detail stuff, I've never been around anything like it. I remember just starting out as an intern, as a young scout. I remember like calling my father, who's a longtime football coach, every day, I'm like, I've never heard. Every time somebody would catch a pass, a tight end, anybody, first thing Andy Reid always says, get up the field. Every oh, time, yeah. catch it and get up the field. He wants
3: no, no waste of time
2: no wasted and he said it every day every time and i was like I, I was losing my mind i'm like oh i get it that's when you do that you're basically you're gonna get another five yards you know it might lead to more but he couldn't stand like that that's detail that's what, it was just amazing and part of
3: that too is because you know the the offensive line the way we're setting up our blocks if you drift at all yeah. That's on you now. Like that's on the running oh. back. I mean, we have our, our, our aiming points, we're gonna hit them. And wow. if you take that screen and you drift a little bit off that's on you now. And the design of the play is 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 done. So yeah, it's Andy Reid's the best, man. I love, I love um, I'm so glad he won his, his championship, kind of solidified, uh solidified him at, at where he should be. I saw a list the other day that had him like the sixth best coach in the NFL. I was like, that's mm-hmm. not, that's not true. Uh that's out of control. Um, but also too, like his the way he teaches, right? I mean, all these guys that have have become good coaches after after being with him it's incredible
2: incredible his his and he his teams always look almost the same as far as he knows what he wants at every position
3: oh yeah
2: yeah every guy i mean i i can i can think of our teams with philly and the teams with the chiefs and i see it i see how he does it and he is um He's really – you're right. If he's number six, that's a list nobody needs to look
3: at. It's wild. He's so good, and um, I'm so glad he's got the wins. And it's going to be tough to go back to four AFC championship games, but I I don't know – if Pat Mahomes is standing upright, I don't know who's beating him.
2: (laughs) That's what we we always say.
3: Yeah. So as
2: long as he's healthy, he's ranked number one. It doesn't matter. You don't need to study anybody else.
1: Nope, nope. Maybe it doesn't even matter. Look at that that Browns game that play he called up, you know, at the end there. I mean, that was that was vintage Andy Reid. Oh, well, man.
3: I mean, dude, they run fourth and one, man. They're running Q eight. They're running sprint out to the right. They're dealing against the Dolphins. They're every time they need a yard and no one can stop it. Like, how do you I mean you can switch, I guess, but then if you but then if you switch, the the number one can just run kind of run a fade and there's no one there. Like you, there's ways to just like kind of like you know, like run the, run the speed out and go. And it's like, there's no, it's just, it's impossible to stop. I, and, and teams know it's coming to and they can nothing to do about it. He's going to have a cool wrinkle off it next year. Like a sort of throwback to Kelsey. It's going to be wild. It's going to be great. I'm going to very much enjoy. It. I feel bad for the Browns. Ben. I like the Browns a lot this year, but they, but they got that brand new secondary and they got to go to Kansas city in week one. Oh, good luck.
2: Yeah, but Jeff, hey, where's your... I know we were talking a little I bit don't... about over unders. The, no, the Browns. That was my pick the other day when we were that. The Browns was that was my. I, I took the over ten and a half wins for the Browns. I think they're loaded. I I think that's a loaded team. I,
3: I, it's funny. I, a lot of the the win totals, the, the big ones. I like. I mean, Chiefs over, Ravens over, um, Bills over. I, I'm with you on on the Browns over as well. Uh, my favorite, I think, so far total is the Steelers under eight and a half wins. Um, Mike Tomlin has never had a season um, as bad as he's about to have. You can't convince me that big Ben's going to be good all of a sudden. You you just can't Um, agree with this. And if, if he's not good, then you're not good. Like you, 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 you know, the, the idea of let's be, let's, let's run the ball better. Okay, fine. Um, I'd argue that was a lot of scheme based issues last year, too much gun, too much inside zone, um, I like what they did with it. You know, they added some good pieces in the draft, but still their offensive line, they returned. I think one returning starter, that's sort of Dotson, I think who didn't play every game last season. Uh, I just, I, I can't buy an old big Ben just becoming something that
1: he, he's not. No, we were talking about that with Doug Whaley, a couple podcasts ago, right, Jim? Like what's the vision here? You're all of a sudden just going to pound away with Najee Harris and, but Ben Roethlisberger is probably going to be calling the plays too and wanting to throw it all over the place. Yeah, but Matt
3: Canada and him do not align very well. I think when Canada wants to do, and what Ben wants to do, don't align at all. Um, and look, the Browns are better in that division. The Ravens are the Ravens' offense is so hard to stop in the regular season. They're going to be good again. Um, and and look, the, the Bengals will be better. I, I don't know how good they're going to be. They'll be better. Um, and so yeah, it's going to be a.
1: Uh, it's gonna to be a tough division. Hey Jeff, where's uh, where's your brother gonna play this year? Um, yeah, that's, uh, it's
3: it's what it's gonna be. It's come out July first. I don't know. I mean, I <laughs> well, he's in not sign anywhere yet, so we'll see. I don't know if you've seen <laughs> pictures of him lately, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, there's I, I saw he saw Ryan Ramchek's deal, so maybe, <laughs> maybe he wants. Yeah, maybe he wants back, back in. Uh, but I, I don't. I don't know. I, I think he's still trying to figure out what he wants to do with his back injury and, and rehab with that. Um, you know, once you, once you kind of, as an offensive lineman, once you kind of go down the path of, of being injured, um, it's sometimes hard to, to get the motivation, um, you know, to, to continue to go. It's just, it's hard on your body, man. This is, and he's played, I played eight seasons. He's, this is, he just finished his ninth. He's played four times as many snaps as I have, because he was never hurt Ow. for six. You know, he didn't play, you know, he had 8,000 snaps in a row, not including the postseason. Like he just, He's played a lot of football. Um, yeah, like I, st- I think I started 39 games. I count one others for the 40. Um, he's st- he like started like 135, 140 games. Like it's a lot of wear
1: and tear on your body, man. It's crazy. Man. That I, I didn't th- think of it like that. That's so, and you had the hip, you had, you had all kinds of I had, stuff. I, I, I had six surgeries
3: in the NFL. Um, I mean, I was like I, I, the other guy was like Andrew Whitworth is, has played. He started 220 games. Like that's remarkable, man. Yeah. At that position to start that many games, like it's unbelievable to play that long at like, that position. I mean, Mitch, like I said for how many starts does he have? He has to have like 100. Yeah, 134 starts. I think not. That does not include I think the postseason. It, it, like he started, you know, for th- th- three years in the postseason. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. Jeff, Jeff, how
2: many how many years? you know, I guess that's, you probably go through it, but what injury was it that really, um, when you knew this is going to be tough, like, cause you were, I mean, you were ascending. You, you should have had, you could have had a long career if you stayed healthy. Do you agree?
3: Yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I got, I played really well in 2013 with the chiefs the yeah. Giants signed me to Giants signed me. And then I, I, I hurt my toe and I was out for, for three months. I came back, played the Odell game um and next week i broke my leg i pressured skated my ankle against jacksonville i came back in 2015 the giants and i we disagreed on kind of the timetable for training camp whatever i was able to play week 1 i had some issues and with some nerve issues in my foot during the season i played really bad for 3 games uh, i got my nerve i couldn't feel my foot like my foot just went dead i had a nerve thing gave me a shot did much better i was playing pretty well then got hurt again. I did the same as that. your broke my leg again. And then, you know, that's not my third ankle surgery in a year because I had a surgery in between to remove some hardware. And I just – it just never came back. Like, it never – you know, it just – it never became what it was. Um, I went to Detroit that year, and, I mean, my goal that year was just to, like, make the team. Like, I don't think I had a goal of playing. Like, I was on that veteran, like, guaranteed salary, right? Make the team – uh, get my salary guaranteed for the season. If I played, I played. I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna play. I was ready to play, but I really had no business playing. What I should have done is taken that injury settlement uh, for a million one, and that would have made that was more than my salary that year for for the Lions. That was an idiot. But a lot of us, you know, I just. I didn't want to end my career on a cart. I just, I, di- I didn't want to do it. And my agent's like, look, you take the million one, it's tax-free. Like go ahead and take the century settlement. Um, and I just didn't do it. I was an idiot, but I just, I, I feel if I the decision, I wanted to, to try again. Um, I just didn't have it. I didn't have it in me. I couldn't practice very much. It was my ankle just never rebounded. Never came back quite the same. Um, I feel like if I had, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Even if I say the giants that year, I probably don't make the team. I just wasn't in a good place. My body just was kind of done and it happens. Oh, so. I mean, you get that
1: family time in. Hey, now here's too, a question right? I had.
3: Um... Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, my wife was ready for me to be done. I mean, I traveled, I've been so many yeah. teams and whatnot that last year was my last year. Anyways. Um, you know, we had my family a little bit later in my career. It would have been nice if they could have seen me play, but I mean, it, it was, it, it's look, I have no regrets. Um, I don't miss very much of it. I mean, the thing I think I miss really any, the only thing I miss is the, you know, the feeling of winning when you, when you walk in that locker room after a game and like that 10 to 15 minutes of just like happiness, you're just sitting in your locker, just like, Oh, we won the game. You know, the owner comes by, gives you a high five. The coaches are happy. It's kind of that, that period before everyone kind of just changes, right? Everyone's just like so excited. The media is nice to you. you it's good attitude. Dude, and then like it's just a, you don't get that feeling much in life. Um, except sometimes when I when I, when I have a good Peloton ride, I feel that way. Like I'm like, oh man, big winner, Jeff Schwartz here. But I, that's all I miss, man. I, I have enough camaraderie in my life. I talked to a lot of my former teammates. Um, you know, Duke many weather. My my guys having this O line masterminds event in a couple of weekends. A bunch of us are going to be down in Dallas, and and what else? So I keep in contact with a lot of the offensive linemen, and I, I keep busy with work and with family life. So. I don't I don't I don't miss it. I don't keep a lot of memorabilia in my house. Like the stuff behind me is just there for this, basically. Like I it was a blank screen. My wife put the stuff up here for me. Like I don't have jerseys hanging in the house. Like I love playing, I love football, but like it was it was done. It was okay.
1: I love it. Sorry to cut you off there. Jim, you got something before we uh close it up? Yeah.
3: No. no,
2: no, you're good. But I was dying as a you know, being in the front office side of it and the draft side of it. When you were drafted in the seventh round, were you celebrating? Were you partying that night, or <laughs> or did you want to get drafted higher? Were you upset? Um, and did you not want to get drafted and and just be undrafted and pick your team?
3: Great question. So, 2008 draft. If you recall, that year there were ten tackles taken in the first two rounds. Okay, it was like it was like Jake Long, Sam Baker, Jeff yeah. Otaw, Gossler, Um it was like this, this entire, this, like this, all these guys. Um, um, Brian Clady, I think, was that year, just 10 in the first two rounds. So I, I was never under the impression that I was going early in the draft, but I figured I was anywhere from 11th to 15th best tackle. So I'm on the West Coast, and I, you know, and my agent was, my agent was like, you're on round four to six. So the, the back then it was two rounds Saturday, five rounds Sunday. And I tell you, don't watch the draft. Don't watch the draft. And I did. Day one, I didn't watch the draft. I was at my buddy's baseball game. Well, day two, I'm like, oh, man, am I going the third round now? Am I going okay. the fourth round now? So I wake up at 6 a.m. on the West Coast. Third round goes by nothing. Fourth round goes by. Fifth round, I start getting calls from teams. Um, And I think it was more of calls like, I, you guys think you're slick, but I know what you guys are doing. You're trying to get me to come as undrafted free agent by saying, like, hey, man, we like you. Look, we called you the mm-hmm. fifth round. We, we thought yep. we were going to draft you. It just didn't happen, yep. right? So yep. it was like – so then I like went outside and shot some hoops and like, it just was, it was bad. So th- and we had a party that scheduled for like afterwards at this local Mexican place up the street, El, El Torito. And um, so by the end of the draft, I'm like over it. My agent calls me and I think I had a deal with the giants in place to go be a, an undrafted agent with the giants. And then the Panthers called me. It was Brandon Bean back when he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, you know, he was like the, the, you know, the low totem pole. there. He was calling draft picks. And he called me, and he said, um, "How do you feel about getting drafted?" And my exact words were, "At this point, I don't even care." <laughs> and he said, "Well, welcome to the Carolina Panthers." And of course, I was pumped. It was fantastic, and everyone just yeah. everyone basically like showed up to the party, anyway. <clears throat> like, just everyone, like everyone, just showed. It was fun. Like <clears throat> and the exact opposite was my brother, who you know, we we figured Mitch was going. Um, you know, in the second round somewhere, probably in the bottom half of the second round. And so we kind of had a setup to where I think it was, yeah, it was day one, one round, and then the two rounds, and then the last four <clears> rounds. <throat> so we just, by day two, he was going to be done. We, we knew that. And we had dinner scheduled that night for like later in the night. And, and one on the next day, it was going to be more of like a celebration. So, you know, we sit down for, for day two of the draft. And then, then all of a sudden, um, you know, all of a sudden, uh, the phone rings, like from Cleveland. And it was like pick 36. And we're like, what, what, uh, what's happening? And so they draft my brother. They then go to commercial break. So they can't even announce it. And like, that was it. Like I think it was pick 38 or 37, somewhere around there. And we were like, oh, all right. Well, uh, I guess we'll go to dinner now. Like I was like, all right, well, this is done. I mean, it was, it was like the oddest thing ever. So we just like went to dinner early and, Enjoyed dinner. And then the next day had like his little draft party. It was the oddest thing ever. Like it was, when it was done, it was like, all right, well, cause we didn't plan on like having a big thing. No one was over the house. It was no celebration. It was just like, Oh, cool. <laughs> the Browns drafted you. All right. Well, I don't care about the draft anymore. Let's, let's go eat somewhere. It was pretty funny.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. And talk about, I mean, to spend four years in Cleveland and five years in Kansas city, what a, what a culture shock for your brother to go from, from that to that.
3: Well, I mean, you know, it was, was you know, in, in Cleveland, he had I think three O line coaches, 3-0 season, four years. Joe, you know, he was subject to trade rumors the second season. I don't know if you remember that. Like the, the, he was they were talking about trading him after his, in his middle of the second season. He really enjoyed Joe Thomas and John Greco and Alex Mack. They were very close, and it was very great for his development to have those guys in his life. But you go to Kansas City, and I mean, you win a Super Bowl. He was a four time All Pro there playoff run that year was incredible i think he pff had him for one pressure in the entire playoffs in three games um and yeah you go from a a losing culture to winning culture to the big difference and you just it makes you happier man look the nfl is a hard business and the only thing that makes it fun is like that it's just it's it's a grind dude and The thing about the winning too, it's not just the players that feel that way. Like you feel it in the whole building, right? The marketing department, the accounting department, the PR people, because their job's easier if you win Right? it's easy to sell a winning team. It's easier to to sell advertising for a winning team or marketing opportunities for a winning team or public relations for a winning team. So everyone in the whole locker room, like the whole building, right? Anyone you see throughout the day is, you know, the, the, the food service staff or the janitors, like they're just, they're pumped. They're giants fans or chiefs fans they are excited for a win everyone's happy. And so like, that's, that's, it's, it's hard like, to play on a team that sucks. I've been on a two and four 14 team before it's not fun. I mean, we made it fun and we, we played the best. we could, But you know, you, you don't look, you you really don't look forward to going into work and stuff, man.
2: No, uh, we used to, you know, we used to say, Jeff, there was two motions in football. Uh, when you win, it's relief. And when you lose, <sighs> it's disgust. It's like relief and disgust is all uh, you really and feel.
3: And then when you went to like they grade, you a little bit better on the film and oh, yeah. the coach do not give you as much shit. I had a coach one time who I yeah. thought I graded yeah. better than I should have. And he graded me worse than I should have been grading in a game. I went up to him one time. and was like, Hey coach. I was like, my grade, is, it's pretty low for how I played. He goes, yeah, I have to give you some more minuses. I, I couldn't turn in a, a high score during a loss. And, and I was like, I was like, but that's important. <laughs> like, this is like y'all graded me like you give them the grades to like the scouting department like, if you give me a sh- shitty grade and i actually played well that's not that doesn't work that way what the fuck was that about <laughs> like so that's my it's kind of my awakening like oh this is this is like business for everybody man
1: so who was this coach jeff we can put him on blast uh, i'm not going to do that but um <laughs> it was uh it
3: was um it was quite surprising to me it was a it was good it was a good
1: learning opportunity. Oh, well now you're here on the dark side with us and we love having you in the media, Jeff, cause you're unique and you know, you're, you're giving readers and fans and viewers just a, a look at the game. They're not going to get anywhere else. So it's awesome. And we can't thank you enough for chopping it up with us uh, here on the podcast, man. So thanks for hanging well,
3: out. I, I'm glad you guys had me on. It was, a lot, it was a lot fun to talk football for a little bit, man. It's been a while since I really had like a football I guess my own podcast. I should take that back. I do talk football on my own podcast, um, but like it's been a while since I've been on someone else's show <laughs> talking football. So I appreciate you guys having me uh, go check out my podcast and uh, really enjoy the work you guys do. Thank you.
1: The Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you podcast. Yes. Apple, Spotify, everywhere, anywhere and everywhere, everywhere
3: around. Yes. Please give it. A and list. on
1: Twitter, what's your handle on Twitter?
3: I, just at Jeff Schwartz. Very simple. Jeff with a G same with Instagram. Same with who use i don't use facebook anymore it's on Eh, i have an athlete page i don't know but yeah instagram uh and twitter uh i have a SchwartzNFL.com too if you want to go to my website there's nothing it's just an aggregate of everything that i do so you can find all that on
1: twitter and stuff awesome well man thanks so much for hanging out that was phenomenal really appreciate you jeff all right guys take care see you man